Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 416. Today is June 13th, 2023. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, today the media is all a buzz about what the Federal Reserve is going to announce tomorrow after their FOMC meeting. And I'm not much concerned one way or the other what the Federal Reserve does or announces tomorrow. Because regardless of where interest rates go, the media is going to have a narrative that they're going to want to promote. I mean, look at where we are right now. The S&P 500 is moving towards 4,400. That's a major milestone. Now, most of those gains are concentrated in a small number of stocks. But over the last week or maybe two weeks, we have seen some big increased participation in the smaller and the mid-cap stocks. So the rally is broadening out. And that's the new narrative that, you know, artificial intelligence is now going to lift all boats. Should we believe that or not? Well, you know me, I'm still cautious at this point. But it's because the narrative doesn't seem stable to me. Just like three months ago, what was the narrative? Banks were collapsing. Everybody from mainstream reporters to crazy kook fringe influencers on the left and the right were standing in front of ATM machines telling you that the banks were about to run out of money. It was all nonsense. I didn't believe that narrative, just like I don't believe that we're in a major recovery right now, because I don't think the fundamentals nor the technicals support the levels that we're currently at. And again, step back six months ago, and if you were paying attention to the global markets, the big media narrative then was that China was going to have explosive growth. China was finally reopening from COVID after they'd pretty much had draconian three-year shutdown of their economy. The CCP had suddenly opened the economy in early December. It was unexpected. And the prognosticators were convinced that the Chinese economy was going to skyrocket. Incidentally, they had said that the year before, in early 2022, when they predicted the economy would reopen and it didn't. And then they were even doubling down on the fact that the Chinese economy was really just going to ricochet higher because of all the pent-up demand. Well, that quickly petered out. And just today, the Chinese government is having to cut interest rates, and they're talking about more stimulus just to get the anemic growth that they're projecting, which is only about 5%. So again, you got to take these media narratives with a grain of salt. The media doesn't report what's happening. They report what they want to happen. I also bring up the slowdown in China because that's part of my overall concern for not wanting to jump into the U.S. stock market. It isn't that I think that we're headed for a catastrophe. It's simply that I think there's too much enthusiasm given not only where the United States is, but more importantly, where global economics are. We've seen OPEC cut oil production twice so far this year. Why have they done that? They've done that because the global economy isn't growing at the pace that people assumed it would now that we're post-pandemic. We can see the slowdown in the global economy with the price of copper. Now, if you pay attention to my blog over at investablewealth.com, you know I often show copper charts, and I did that not too long ago. Incidentally, Whether you subscribe to the blog post notification or not, you can always read those blog posts. And in recent posts, I've covered everything from the money supply to the lackluster performance of small cap stocks. 
and many other topics to include the basis of what I'm talking about today, which is the lack of risk premium being paid in the market. Now, risk premium is the difference between what you're getting paid for for being invested in the stocks or being invested in equities as opposed to just simply being in a risk-free investment like a money market fund. In a money market fund right now, it's 100% liquid, which means you can put your hands on the money at any point. It's not tied up with any type of duration. And depending upon how much money you have and whether you want to go with a government-backed money market fund or a prime rate money market fund, you're getting somewhere either a little bit less or a little bit more than 5%. And that rate of return, when you compare it to the risk you're taking in the stock market and what you're likely to get on that side, is underwhelming. That's what I show in one of the charts over at investablewealth.com. And it's the key basis for why I'm sitting in so much cash right now. The price of copper has bounced up this week on the announcement that China is going to put more stimulus into their economy. But if you look at the price of copper over the last year or more, it's going nowhere. Copper has put in a triple top going back in the periods between about March of 2021 through March of 2022. It had gotten up to nearly $5 a pound, something like, I don't know, $480, $485. One of the main reasons I was never worried about hyperinflation last year when everybody else was so cathartic over it was that we did see that triple top peak in copper. And I knew that if we were in a period of a decreasing dollar or a period where inflation was going to be in the double digit range, that there's no way that copper could be coming down and dropping at the levels that it was. So number one, that taught me last year that inflation was cooling off. And number two, what it's telling me this year is that the global economy is slowing down. And we see that in reports from the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank and the economists at OPEC. But you don't need to listen to what they say. You can simply look at the price of copper. The price of copper today, even with its little bit of an increase based on the stimulus from China, is about exactly where it was at the beginning of 2021. So any of the gains that copper and other commodities had made after the first full year, the impact of the pandemic, those gains have been wiped out. We're back to where we were a year into the pandemic. And on an inflation-adjusted basis, that's about right where it should be, maybe even a little less, based on the pre-pandemic highs. That wouldn't be happening if we were going to see a big expansion in the global economy and without a big expansion or at least moderate growth in the global economy, I think we're going to be hard-pressed to see that growth in the United States this year. Now, I'm not negative Nelly on this. I think that it's very likely that a year from now, we are going to see extraordinary growth, if not necessarily in the economy itself, we will see it in the United States stock market. So I'm not being a perma-bear here. I'm just concerned that we haven't gotten through the full effects of the hangover that's left over from the excesses of the pandemic. There's still too much money in the system. I believe the Federal Reserve wants to pull that money out of the system. And to do that, some corporations need to suffer. Now, I'm a big believer in small and mid-cap stocks. I think long-term, that's where a lot of the growth potential is. That sector has been underperforming this year. I haven't jumped into it yet, even though we've seen some rising over the last week or so. 
because I still think there's more damage to be done there. If you look at the small cap stocks, that's a Russell 2000, there's probably 40% or more of those companies are not profitable. Now, that wasn't such a big thing when money was unrestricted, when the Federal Reserve policies were really easy, when interest rates were near zero. Well, that's not the case anymore. Interest rates are as high as they've been in 16 years, and that means that some of these zombie companies, these free-riding, especially small and mid-cap companies, that have no roadmap to profitability, they cannot all survive. They're going to be casualties on the war of reigning in inflation. So that's why I want to be a little cautious until we get through the overhang and the hangover of all this free money that's created zombie companies in a zombie economy. Just this week, the makers of Instapot, you probably have one on your kitchen counter somewhere, well, they filed for bankruptcy, and in the headline it specifically said that it was due to the fact that they couldn't refinance their debt. That's going to happen to a lot more companies than just Instapot. So watch the amount of corporations that are filing for bankruptcy. Over the coming months, you're probably going to see that rise. And we're also, I believe, going to see a strain on the commercial real estate side of things where we have retail properties and office space that needs to get refinanced. And there's just not going to be enough cash flow from rents to meet those cash flow demands. The property values have gone down, the rents have gone down, and the availability to borrow the funds are not there. And if you could borrow the funds, the interest rates are astronomically high from where that property was originally financed five or ten or more years ago. So that's another shoe to drop. Again, likely we'll start seeing more impacts of that over the coming months. And we still have an incredibly difficult geopolitical situation between the hot war in Ukraine and the escalating Cold War with China. There's probably another combat boot or more to drop there. And so when I see big investment firms like Goldman Sachs coming out and saying that they're raising their forecast, I look at that from a contrarian indicator side of things. Rather than thinking we're in another bull market, I think the market needs to step back some. Goldman Sachs is late to the party on this call, as they usually are. And to me, if anything, it's an indicator that the market's going down before it goes up. And to get back to where I started with this whole thing as far as the Federal Reserve, whether they raise interest rates or not, what's important is to look at the changing narrative. At the beginning of this year, virtually everybody on Wall Street talked about the Federal Reserve and interest rates. They talked about the pivot. The Federal Reserve is going to pivot. Pivot meaning that they were not only going to stop raising interest rates, but they were going to pivot and start immediately cutting interest rates. And so infinitum, all you heard about was the Fed pivot, the Fed pivot, the Fed pivot. It wasn't a question of if the Fed was going to pivot. It was a question of when. But yet, as the job market has showed strength, and more importantly, as income levels have held high, and with core inflation remaining above 5%, all that talk about a pivot then morphed into months of people talking about a Fed pause. And so the debate switched to not if the Fed pauses, but just when the Fed's going to pause. Because everybody was convinced that the Fed was now going to stop raising interest rates, and although they wouldn't immediately cut them, they'd pause for a little bit. Well, here we are, six months into the year, 
And that narrative has changed, and now the buzzword is skip. They're going to maybe not raise interest rates tomorrow, but there's a likelihood and a better than average likelihood that they're going to raise interest rates at least one more time, if not two more times, before the year is out. Now, the moral of the story here is not to illustrate how wish-washy and flip-floppy the media is from week to week and month to month. What's more important than the fact that they're constantly changing their target is their omnipotence and their sense of authority and conviction is always at 100%. It's never if they're right. It's always when they're going to be right. And then when they're not, they simply change the target and move on. Now, you've heard me say a million times, I can't predict the future because I can't. But what you have to keep in mind is that these pundits, these experts, these thought leaders, they're full of minutiae. And so right now when they're telling you that we're in a new bull market and when you see Goldman Sachs rising their forecast by more than 10% from where they were, but yet it's only a couple percent from where the market actually is, well, you should take all that with a grain of salt and ask yourself, are you comfortable with the overall economic fundamentals and do you want to take the risk of being in the market when your money can be safely parked temporarily where the principal is secure and you're keeping your powder dry to buy another day? And that buying opportunity will most likely come not with the stocks that are in the headlines, not with the stocks that are being pumped up by the media, but simply by good quality, growing and profitable companies that no one's talking about. Was that opportunity right around the corner or is it still going to be two or three months out? I have no idea. Come on back for future episodes. We'll find out together. Until then, as always, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best returns.